Welcome to Conspiracy What? This is a podcast about weird rabbit holes that we find on the internet, and we're going to talk about it for a while. And boy, is this a weird rabbit hole. I know I stole it from Whose Lines It Anyway, but honestly, I think where everything's made up and nothing matters is really just the truth of the show. Especially this episode. Yeah. Yep. Because somehow Albuquerque is relevant. I didn't see Albuquerque, so I'll let you explain. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's some, they meet at a lunch at a diner in Albuquerque a lot, according to an affidavit. It's a whole thing. Well, I'm Allie. <laughs> I'm Chelsea, and I've already derailed this. And I'm Cameron. Today we're talking about Project Pegasus. More importantly, today we're talking about that giant, beautiful, big red rock in the sky. Well, and, and other things. Mars. <laughs> and street clothes on Mars. And what's the average temperature of Mars, Cam? Depends on if you've been there or not. But <laughs> <laughs> if you've been there, then it's a nice Los Angeles summer day. If you haven't been there, then negative 81 degrees Fahrenheit. So you choose whatever you want to go with. It can get below 220 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, but it can reach 70 degrees Fahrenheit. There's your Bill and I, the science guy lesson of the day on this Yay. podcast. You know, what's funny is this is the topic that got Chelsea on the podcast. <laughs> uh, that's right. Uh, that's right. Time travel. <laughs> time Project space Pegasus. jumping. The Project Pegasus was allegedly a series of time travel exper- experiments done primarily using children because apparently adult brains aren't elastic enough or some shit. But this was done by the U.S. government using technology developed by our buddy Nikola Tesla. Oh, and I'm going, to, <laughs> I'm going to search how many times we say allegedly in the notes. Yeah, his name shows up way too often in everything that we talk about for this man to have died for. Yep. And he is often in these episodes where we talk about technology. Cam has some notes in the intro. Yes, I do. No, so I watched, uh, the, we're going to talk about one man in particular, Andrew Bashago or Basiago. I prefer Basiago, but he, <laughs> he prefers Bashago on his Facebook page. It's specifically on there mm. is how to pronounce his name. Because of course he cares about that. Honestly, if I had been to Mars through a time jump space portal, I don't think I'd care how people say my last name anymore. I really don't think I would. I think anybody who includes their name pronunciation in their Facebook header is probably a sociopath. So probably let's go to Mars. Well, anyway, I watched about 30, roughly 30 to 45 minutes of a PowerPoint presentation that this man gave on Mars and aliens and blurry photos. And uh, yeah, it's self-inflicted torture, but... Uh, he does mention street clothes and CIA people wearing street clothes on Mars, which I don't think they do on Earth. So I guess the standards have dropped a little bit formality wise on Mars. <laughs> Casual once, Friday. Once you're on another planet, <laughs> jeans are every day. There. Work from work from home's out. Work from Mars is in. Button up shirt? No, thank you. We're mm-hmm. on a different planet now. Doesn't matter. No, we got to wear shorts for those 70 degree days. Cargo shorts. I wear cargo shorts for those crisp negative 81 degree days on Mars. So Mars aside, the goal was to quote, there's lots of air quotes that you can't see because this is an audio medium, develop better intelligence about past and future events, thus enabling the U.S. president, the intelligence community and military to engage in better contingency planning for future events. That doesn't seem to have worked very well at all. No, we'll, I'll talk about that later also. Um, and then Project Pegasus also worked to identify, quote unquote, 
persons of interest so they could be briefed about their roles in future events and as future, we're going to throw air quotes on future leaders of the U.S. Except for Bashago, because he's not really a leader of much. He's a leader of trying to get a movement started so that the government tells people about Mars. So I guess in that way, he is a leader. Mars truth. But he's not a government leader. He's a lawyer. Somehow. And apparently hasn't been debarred, which is... That's what I was it's pretty hard to get debarred, I think, at this point, based on everything I've seen in the past, like, four or five years now. So I think you could probably run over a crowd of people with your car and still not get debarred. So, yeah. Oh, was that person a lawyer? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if they were. Which person, actually, is what I should say. <laughs> <laughs> that's valid, that's what I should valid. say. Yeah. Welcome to Earth. So let's talk about Andrew Bashago. Um Baziago Bagel. Andrew Baziago Bagel over here was also a child at one point, a lawyer and a space time explorer. <laughs> and a space time explorer. Um, he had been, he started claiming that he was part of these crazy government teleportation, time travel nightmare experiments in the 1970s. He started claiming that happened in like 2004. In 2004 or 2008? Actually, no, let me backtrack. I didn't read 2008. He said 2008 in his PowerPoint presentation that he gave to yes. in a mysterious room full of people that I never see the faces of. He doesn't have so his own timeline. There could have been five people in that room. There could have been 50. I would not know the difference. Yeah, he also uh, filed a sworn affidavit, which is fucking notarized. And that was for... <laughs> Uh, the Vancouver 9-11 Tribunal, and it discusses the details of the program like bullet by bullet. But we're going to go back to this later you, because spoilers. You could notarize a McDonald's receipt. It doesn't make it real. It doesn't <laughs> It doesn't make it mean anything. So I love when things are notarized. I tried to get a friend of mine to notarize a grocery list at one point, and she was like, no, that's literally against the <laughs> Uh, Is he really so, on coast to coast? Yep, yeah, he's been on coast to coast. That's not mm -hmm. surprising either. If you are crazy and you are a leader of crazies, you've probably been on George Knapp's coast to coast. Bless up all the way to Mars. Yeah, sometimes I, I see people talk about like being on there and they're like, I was on a three-hour episode. <laughs> I don't know what they talk about for three hours. I've listened to clips of George Knapp's show and I just, I can't do it. Anyway, let's get back time to the- Time travel. Time travel. Yeah, chrononauts. Uh yeah. Anyway, does this mean? This, does this mean? Okay. All right. Let's let's go. <laughs> this started when he was seven years old in roughly 1968. Though if you ask him, the time will change within the span of an hour. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> in the U.S. Time Space Exploration Program, I named this us to Sep because he typed that out on his Facebook. Also, this all comes from their Facebook page, which is run by them. Uh, Interjection. Yeah. I'm pretty sure USEP is just um, mimicking the natural language of the reptilian overlords mm. because somehow they don't show up a lot in here. Mm. So just a shout out to our reptilian overlords. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Good, good shout out. Ours. They always appreciate a good shout out. <laughs> always. Lizard overlords. Oh, man. Cheers. Uh, anyway, it was also actually in real life, well, in his real life, known as DARPA. Uh, DARPA's Project Pegasus, which is where this whole thing starts. And then obviously the group names themselves Project Pegasus to get people to talk about Project Pegasus, which works because you're talking about Project Pegasus, but it's not DARPA's Project Pegasus because they're just Project Pegasus, not DARPA's Project Pegasus. For anyone that doesn't know, DARPA is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Whoever named that is an idiot. Uh, 
And they use children. Um, we kind of already mentioned it at the beginning, but they use children in their experiments uh, because air quotes, uh, they could adapt well to the strains of moving between past, present and future. Yeah. yeah there's something about like brain elasticity in all this. And like yeah. adults went like lost their fucking minds. But um, I guess kids yeah. were like, this is great. <laughs> we're going to go to Mars on a field trip. And that's what happened. And that's why you need your accountability buddy. So there were allegedly 140 children in this quote unquote gifted and talented training program at uh, Basiago Bagels Elementary School in New Jersey, um, which was apparently disguised as a public elementary school. A lot of that wasn't totally clear, mm. but apparently there were a lot of children being sent all over the fucking timeline and universe. So did you call it the gifted and talented training program or did he call it that? He called it that. And apparently that was like the cover for it is kind of what I was inferring, but it wasn't totally clear, but it was notarized. So it's fine. <laughs> well, he uh, valiantly served our country in this program uh, until he was 11. So, you know, <laughs> God bless. Uh, <laughs> it was one of the very first time space explorers, according to him. And he, according to him, he was the first child to teleport. Full stop. <laughs> just Dead stop there. First child to teleport. How <laughs> did he teleport? Uh, well, using eight different modalities of time travel. That's a quote, uh, a.k.a. quantum access. So they used elliptical shaped uh, teleportals. OK, <laughs> and primarily went from New Jersey or went between New Jersey, New Mexico and like some future locations that he said didn't have a name yet. I'm going to go ahead and say if they if they were in the future, they probably had a name. He was just too rude to ask as an 11 year old child or seven to an 11 year old child. But anyway, yeah, they use this glorious technology to move through time and space to go to New Jersey. Oof. Anyway, it's called a chronovisor. That's how you do the digital teleportations. I want to make this one specific because he he separated the chronovisor from the elliptical shape teleportals. Uh, it's, it's a different technology. Because it was a digital teleportation which in my mind says vr okay and like at one in the affidavit of his he like talked about it being like like facilitated or like forced astral projection mm. and so i think like the chronovisor a lot of air quotes i'm just like air quoting this whole time um so like the chronovisor was like a vr headset where you basically like astral projected to a place or a future or past event Right. And so, then there were other ones where they actually physically teleported. So it's like the difference between putting on a VR headset in your home and putting on a VR headset on a train. <laughs> when you take off the VR headset on a train, you're in a different place. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, okay. what I do have to say, though, is do you remember VR headsets from the 90s? I don't know what they looked like in government in 1970, but... In the 90s, they were just very pixelated, giant streams of lights that went into your little child eyes and probably burned your retinas. There's a reason we all wear glasses. Yeah, probably. Honestly, <laughs> that's probably the reason. I remember there was I one, though, where you could be the Hulk and you put on Hulk gloves and you had to, like, punch, but it didn't work very well. There was a Batman <laughs> one, too. That was pretty fun. Anyway, his father was with him for some of this. He claims this in his PowerPoint presentation that, again, I watched way too much of. He said that one of the ways that they knew... Uh, like where they were jumping around to is because his father asked what time frame they were in, like what year. And then they, he, he apparently did some heavy uh, mathematician work on that and subtracted his birth date, Andrew's birth date 
from the year that the people told them they were in and they were like, oh, so we've jumped back this much time. That's the true story. It came from what? him during his presentation. I'm scarred just... for life again. I'm going to keep bringing up this presentation because I watched, <laughs> I, I, I intended, watched I, pressed, too much of it. I pressed on it and I thought I will skip through this. But then I was just enamored by blurry photos and a man who is talking to a crowd who's way too into it, way too into it. Like, They were asking questions with like the most serious tones I've ever heard in my life. Like this is life or death, real stuff to them. Like it, you know, what's funny to me is the whole reason why they want this, like all this technology out and to like whistleblow this whole program is for like a weirdly innocent reason. They're like teleportation will help global warming and make travel a lot easier and save us from fossil fuels. (laughs) And also something about like, the U.S. becoming like or returning to like the technological apex of the world. or Yeah, it's like yeah. a weird amount of like this will solve some problems instead of just tell the world the aliens are real like normally these things are. Yeah, yeah this one like doesn't get into the scary part of conspiracy theories nearly as much as the others do. No, and like, for like as batshit as this is, it's surprising. <laughs> Yeah, I was just like waiting for anti-Semitism at some point in here. I didn't find it. I was yeah. surprised. It is actually surprising. It is actually yeah. surprising that this that's more, and there were no Nazis one of the first because we've mentioned that on the show before. Like every time we go to a conspiracy, it's like, why do you hate Jewish people? See, but like there were no Nazis this time either. And we even we have time travel. Oh no, there were some Nazis. Oh, there's, a, there's um, because the Nazis. there was like a connection to the Manhattan Project, and like all those scientists uh, were poached from the Nazis. And oh no, no, you're right. Actually, I saw Operation Paperclip mentioned once. So. Yeah, there you go. so Never mind. there's always Nazis. <laughs> there's always Nazis. I'm going to talk about American history. Nazis. Here come the Nazis. <laughs> You can't have American history without Nazis. They sent us to the moon. They also stole our eugenics program, but that's fine. You know how they sent us to the moon, though? It's because they had already been to the moon. Uh, I was going to say lizard people. Fuck. Some of them might have been lizard people. Oh, they wouldn't have been accepted. Wrong, wrong color. Lizard people are like green or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Not Aryan enough. Is a green man. You know, jury's still out on if Aryans can lick their own eyeballs or not. If that's acceptable, lizard people can. And I've never seen the Pope do it. (laughs) (laughs) If he did that in the middle of a sermon, religious. I I would be (laughs) religious all over again. He'd immediately have me. Anyway, you want to talk about American yeah, history? Yeah, I'm just waiting. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to talk about some of his physical travels back into American history, where he became a pivotal member of society in, in our American history. What he was doing there is unclear. I have not read that or why he went there so many times. But um, he claims, Andrew Bishago, claims that he went to Ford's Theater on the night of President Lincoln's assassination. And not only did he go there, he went there five or six times it's nothing like watching a famed president get shot in the head multiple times or maybe he just wanted to see the play a few times he just wasn't even interested see but on top of that there were actually two versions of himself at the theater at one time one time um i'll read a quote here from him after the first of these two encounters with myself occurred i was concerned that my cover might be blown unlike the jump to gettysburg in which I was clutching clutching a letter to Navy Secretary Gideon Wells to offer me aid and assistance in the event that I was arrested. I didn't have any explanatory materials when I was sent to Ford's Theater. I just think we should bring back the name Gideon. (laughs) That's all I'm getting from this. And so aside from uh, Lincoln's murder six times, he was also at the Gettysburg Address 
Um, in tennis shoes apparently there's this fucking old picture that he's circled what's supposedly himself as a child in the crowd in gettysburg and it uh, this child honestly to me just looks like he's wearing the same shit everybody else is but um he's claiming that he's wearing the wrong clothes i'm assuming honestly i'm more interested in the guy that's standing with like one leg out and he's got his hand on his head like he just heard the worst news of his life that's kind of the time period (laughs) (laughs) so yeah he he said about like these parallel timeline things so i guess they sent these kids back to different timelines why again i'm not really sure just because they could to test it i guess he said quoted it was like they were sending us to slightly different alternative realities on adjacent timelines as these visits began to accumulate, I twice ran into myself during two different visits. And neither one saved the problem. Yeah, right. So, like, why was he there? That's my only problem. Well, I mean, to be fair, he's like an eight-year-old or seven-year-old, so there's not a lot he can do. I know, but why so, go six times? So, what they're, I don't know about the six times, but what they're trying to do is, like, deliver messages to people in the past, I No, think. he delivered a message to himself in case he got caught. No, you said to Gideon Wells. Yeah, I yeah, think he was, like... Him. Yeah. So like future events, it was like, hey, what the hell is happening? And then I think past events, it was like, yo, this is going to happen. Yeah. Danger. Or like, just take a step to the left. You'll be fine. Some <laughs> stuff like that. I I don't know. I mean, yeah. unless you're just testing the technology, I guess. So. Because that's what children are for is testing technology. <laughs> that's how we got Furbies. I was about Mars because this goes even further. <laughs> Yeah, well, so he leaves the program at about 11 years old, uh, valiantly served, like I said earlier, and then jump forward in time a little bit. He's a little more grown up. He's going to UCLA. It's 1980. Everyone's doing cocaine, having fun. And he's working for the CIA in El Segundo, California. He gets recruited with a group of 10 people total, including him, apparently. And they tell him that they need a jump team, basically, to jump to Mars. This is new technology. It's a bit different than jumping to New Jersey. Okay. It's a little bit better, a little cleaner than New Jersey. So he goes to Mars. Now he says that this version of the jumper was more like an elevator. In fact, he says, I quote from his presentation, it looked nearly indistinguishable from an elevator. So <laughs> it might very well have been an elevator. It's really hard. To oh God, say. not an elevator. <laughs> This is like the best memoir of a psychotic break I've ever read. (laughs) For real. But on his first jump in the maybe an elevator. (laughs) Was it to the fifth floor? A lot of questions. I don't think his goes to the fifth floor, to be honest. Beam Um, me up, Scotty. Well, see, he didn't say beam me up, Scotty. In fact, he he said something something else. Uh, When he was asked if he was ready to do his first jump, he was like, I was ready to go. Uh, and then he told the technician of the elevator, uh, let's light this candle. <laughs> I wish I made that up. I, I wish that I put that in as a joke, but he tells that story twice in about half an hour because he's very proud of it. He said, he said, like someone asked him a question. They were like, so it was just like an elevator. He's like, it was very similar. And he's like, but again, I told them, let's light this candle. And we just went to Mars. Um, One of the things, though, is he wasn't as impressed with these Mars jumps because the ones in the past took just like a couple seconds. They were very fast, right? Very, very fast. But these ones took about 20 minutes. So about 20 minutes doing, I don't know, whatever it is in the elevator. 
Um, sounds like hell, but he made about 40 different jumps to Mars as a U.S. chrononaut, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute, though I want to say this. Multiple things say he made about 40 jumps. He then claims at different points in his PowerPoint that he made like four to five jumps. It's really hard that to tell. drastically different. It's really hard to tell which part of his story is true. Anyway, he talks about U.S. chrononauts. And I want to bring this up because he specifically always mentions that they are U.S. chrononauts, which implies that there are non-U.S. chrononauts, which adds a whole nother layer to this because that means that there are other people in the time-space jump race, but he doesn't really bring them up very often. He doesn't really talk about other countries. He just talks about how he was in the U.S. chrononaut program. Anyway, it took like 20 minutes to get there. What a waste of time, really. I mean, 20 minutes to get to Mars. Absurd. Uh, the first question. Time, yeah. Was there elevator music? See, that's what I wonder. He didn't mention it, though. But he did say in- indistinguishable from an elevator. So I assume I assume okay. there was elevator music. Just some smooth jazz on the way to Mars. What do you do in a Mars elevator for 20 minutes? Read a book. And he's dressed in a chrononaut outfit, which I, I thought was street I, Yeah, no, I thought no, it was no. tennis shoes. No, no, no. See, he's dressed with a helmet and all of that which is odd because we know that the CIA operatives on Mars aren't wearing helmets or anything like that. So why would they send him in a, in a, in a suit it's for the effect of the story? Are, are like, are the people sending him worried that at some point Mars's atmosphere is just going to gone and then he's going to go with it. But anyway, he was sent in a suit. The first time he was sent, he was greeted by three CIA operatives that were already on Mars. Okay. Uh, the second time, I don't know what happened after that the first time. He doesn't really elaborate. He's like, I, I met three CIA operatives. I don't know if he was like, goodbye. Again, and took like he tells these stories of how he got places right. and then he doesn't say what he's doing there. But the second time he does say what he did there. Um, so this is where things get interesting. Uh, so the second time he was led to a building, and I quote, that was about half a mile outside of the skull that I walked through the eye socket of. From the underground location. <laughs> what is this? this For the honor of Grayskull. <laughs> <laughs> this is a repeating theme. He swears by it that the underground locations on Mars, these underground civilizations, that's where most of them live, which good on him. That's probably like the only feasible thing, at least, if nothing else. Uh, but he says that there are giant skulls that mark the entrances to these underground locations, which is really a bad way to hide your underground city. Yeah, wouldn't we see that on these pictures that he keeps taking? Well, he claims that we do, though. Oh. That's the thing. So, yes. So I didn't see yes it, is the answer to that. explain the pictures. Yeah, no, oh, we'll talk about pictures. We'll talk about pictures. Uh, anyway, they are giant, large skulls, and they have giant eyes, and you walk through them to get to other places. But apparently there's a building not far from one, like half a mile. Uh, all of this experience, oh, this is also when he says it wasn't as cold as NASA says it is. Uh, like he said, the line in Elton John's song where Mars is cold as hell is absolute bullshit because it's it was as warm as a Los Angeles day. Um, Does that mean he's saying Elton John was actually there and is a liar? No, he's he's saying that he's saying Elton John just doesn't know what he's talking about, that he's trusting mm. NASA too much. That was like mm. the invitation that I got from the presentation. Mm. This would eventually lead him to form Project Pegasus, uh, where he becomes a whistleblower. Who knows? Was it 2004, 2008, 2011? Hard to say. Who knows when he did it? He did eventually write a book, quote unquote book, loosely called a book, called The Discovery of Life on Mars, uh, which includes, quote, 
never before seen photos that prove life on Mars. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that he got all of these photos from NASA's website. So they're not never before seen. Never before seen. <laughs> they're cataloged on an open website that anyone can go visit. And they're he... never before zoomed into so <laughs> big that it's just grains. It's <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, it really is. But we're going to get there. Don't worry. But first, that leads us to Project Pegasus, which is quoted as the most popular time travel group on Facebook. Where's that quoted? In the about section on their Facebook. So I want to know about all the time travel groups on Facebook. Cam keeps following and joining things like that. I have joined a lot of supernatural encrypted groups and I haven't regretted it for a single day. So I would like a full book report on this experience. <laughs> there have been some interesting and some not so interesting things, but they're all more interesting than an elevator to Mars. He did share a podcast on a cryptid Facebook group. I did. And we got a lot of followers out of it. We some followers out of that. Uh, so thank you if, you if you're listening and you followed, actually. They're going to listen to the Nessie episode and be all like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. They're probably just going to hear that we're skeptics mostly and be like, I'm out. I'm done. But, what, you know, they followed. That's fine. It is what it is. Um, anyway, this whole group is led by uh, Bashago, Basiago, Bagel. He uh, came... He came forward with the story uh with another man named william stillings who doesn't have as much uh i guess skin in the game not really he's Why, not is he a lizard well no did he's not, he shed that I skin i mean maybe i don't i don't really know i don't to be honest i'm not sure but they're calling for the u.s to formally reveal secret time travel jump technology so that we can more quickly go to other planets he claims the record that just sounds like u.s imperialism but in outer space so Maybe let's not do this. Yeah, maybe that's why they're not. worked out for literally anybody involved. Okay, I'm done. I just want to say, if you can wear street clothes on Mars, then the moment skateboarders get there, <laughs> it's ruined. <laughs> I'm like, do I want to like do a cool drop-in on a giant skull eyeball? Yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> Let me get my longboard on my car that I haven't used. Oh, man. Um, anyway, so he claims that a lot of people were with him, a lot of noted famous people. It's kind of like the whole point, right? So these 10-ish, roughly, young adults. Uh, one of them was Regina Duggan, who would eventually become the head of DARPA, who we talked about earlier. So she would eventually lead the company that created Project Pegasus, which is a whole other thing. Um, the other one is Laura Magdalene Eisenhower, who corroborates the story. And she is the granddaughter of Dwight D. Eisenhower. We're going to talk about it here in a little bit because there's a lot to that. There's a lot to unpack. It's a suitcase that never ends. So now I can't remember how to actually say his name. So he's just Basiago now. Um, so Basiago also claims that. So while he was attending like sanctioned DARPA luncheons at a place called La Hacienda restaurant in Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, because this is relevant and somehow came up a lot in his affidavit. Um, so he met future presidents and vice presidents, among others, um, of the U.S., including uh, George H.W. Bush, Dick Cheney, George W. Bush, and Bill Clinton. Yeah, they had high security lunches at La Hacienda <laughs> restaurant in Old Town, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Nowhere better to have a high security lunch. The only other option is like Cracker Barrel. That's I was gonna say Casa Bonita, but sure. <laughs> that's how you have a actually that, that would be lunch. a good security place. You, once you go in, like if people don't know where you are, you'll never find them again. So um yeah, on top of this, uh, so in, in terms of meeting important presidents, one of the most important young adults quoted young adults that was in this program 
was none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Obama himself. Thanks, Obama. Obama, <laughs> teenager president, teleporting Mars resident, right? Wow, so, really <laughs> <laughs> um, so this, this first piece here is like what kills me about this Obama story. Yeah, is like he seems to be the only one that has a alter ego, like he has a different name that he did this project under, out of respect for his stepfather, because there's a whole story to that. This. I have fallen down some rabbit holes. Never have I just stumbled and fallen directly on my face into a rabbit hole for so long and read so much about a man's family that isn't true or maybe true, I guess. That's why we do this show. So you decide if you think it's true or not. Uh, anyway, welcome. Obama served in the projects. Again, thank you. God bless for serving in our uh, military. Um, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he served as Barry Sotero, supposedly because of the respect he had for his stepfather, Lolo Sotero or Sotero. That is a real person. Okay. That is a real person. So don't know if that whole story is true, but you know, but this is where it gets deeper. So Obama has a mom, as most people do. His mother's, a his mother's name was Anne Dunham. And she was also part of this secret program, apparently. Did she go to Mars? No, I don't think she went to Mars, but she was a part of the program okay. helping them do their jumps, I guess. He's he's very unclear on this. So he might listen to this and say, that's not true. So more power to him if he does. So in my mind, she's like packing them like lunches. <laughs> To go to Mars. Well, like here's your PB and J on Mars holds up. Well, first let's talk about the extremely well-known fact that she was obviously recruited to the CIA in the 1960s. This is quote unquote well known. I Not just, just say, from Bashago. I, I mean, weren't we all? That anytime we say something that sounds really fucking stupid, you can kind of just imagine quotes around it. <laughs> Since yeah. every time we say something ridiculous or science fiction-y, it's we, we have quotes. Well, so. this has never been unproven. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so the same site that claims that she was obviously well known uh, to be in the CIA in the 1960s also claimed, quote, uh, though this has never been openly acknowledged. So uh, so there's that as well. She was in reality 100 percent something that has been openly acknowledged an anthropologist who also happened to speak Russian, which is why she's in this rabbit hole. Yeah, uh, it's because of the Russian. So part of this conspiracy claims that Anne's involvement is obvious in the CIA because of her father, who, quote, helped raise Obama, his grandfather helped raise him. It's pretty common. But his grandfather was also in early U.S. intelligence in terms of like being in like an intelligence agency. His name, Stanley Armour Dunham. Stay with me. Uh, so how do they know that he was a part of one of these groups? Well, because, quoted, he was pictured in a military uniform with no insignia, which suggests that he was in an intelligence unit. I would like to take this moment to say that I also have pictures in a military uniform with no recognizable insignias. I was not part of an intelligence unit. Couldn't pass and the test. You're just a theater kid. I am just And a kid. I just have a Boy Scout uniform in my closet that I sometimes wear for Halloween because it's hilarious. Also haven't been a Boy Scout. Well, there you go. So we, we may have just proven or not proven <laughs> exactly what they did. So one of these things, so one of what leads into Stanley 
uh, Dunham's whole thing is quoted, according to his official biography, Dunham worked as a furniture salesman, which led to his frequent travel and family moves. Independent researchers believe, however, that this job was cover for him being an intelligence agent. You may think that that's the end of it. You may think, well, she's got a father who might have been in a military uniform that doesn't have any medals because maybe it wasn't a military uniform. Um, but that's not the end of it. It goes on to talk about Obama Sr. And it goes on for a very long time. So I'm going to give you the highlights um, or the lowlights. Um, so Obama Sr., who is Obama's father, once took a photo with Stanley, who is Obama's grandfather. And they were both smiling in the photo. This is one of the key pieces of evidence is that they were smiling in the photo. This is quoted. I do not know how to paraphrase this. So I took it from the website because I don't know how to say this other than how they said it. So here you go. This is the proof. Far-fetched as it sounds, Obama Sr. may not have been Obama's real oh, father. Shit. Obama Sr. and Ann never lived together or had a real wedding. And Obama Sr. had no contact with his son except for a short two-week visit to Hawaii when Obama was 10, which may have been for the purpose of securing Obama a spot in the coveted Panahau Prep School. The photo of Stanley and Obama Sr. is suspicious because what father in his right mind would be pictured smiling with the man who impregnated his teenage daughter and then abandoned her? Wait, what? People get pregnant out of wedlock? They do, and they never even live together. <gasps> what? There was no wedding? Uh, there wasn't. No wedding, no apartment lease, nothing. I mean, people never have sex without being living together <laughs> not in this Ever. universe i guess so this is the whole thing this is their whole thing is why would stanley and obama senior be standing there smiling when obama senior was going to in the future abandon stanley's daughter again i'm gonna go ahead and say in the future because so before obama was born so that might have been why i'm a little lost i was too so let me sum it up very nice. Let me wrap it in a bow for everybody. Okay. Here's how the story goes. Obama's family lineage is first his grandfather, who was supposedly an intelligence agency. Then his father, who worked not necessarily in an intelligence agency, but still worked in U.S. security in that way. And they worked together on multiple projects. Well, they use Obama Sr. as being Obama's father to get him into special programs. And is in the CIA because her because her father was and because she spoke Russian, which, and I quote, is exactly what they would have needed during the Cold War. It's what, what they would have been looking for. Her job as an anthropologist was actually a secret. She was really a spy. All of this led to Obama being specifically chosen for the time space jump program and then eventually to lead as president of the United States because his family's history serving in the U.S., and now there's a, a statue of his head on Mars. So to commemorate Obama's jump to <laughs> Mars. There, why him specifically? Like as a child, he wasn't special. Well, no, but this probably was made since then because, you know, he becomes president and all of that. That's uh, what I assume. Um, but yeah, so he claims, uh, Bashago claims that you can actually clearly, clearly see a statue of Obama's head on Mars. And he likes to use the word statue a lot. We're going to talk about that, too. 
because it's important. But if you look at this photo, it vaguely resembles a man. I mean, I could see it being a figure. I mean, this is probably the closest picture to anything. What I would like to know is who in their right mind did a statue of Obama's face in the middle of a Mars desert and was like, I'm done. <laughs> so they also, just that, that doesn't look like Obama. No. Not really. Like, Probably whoever made that statue man. should not make any more. <laughs> <laughs> but it does look like someone, maybe. It's the story of Obama on Mars. Yay. Obamars. Oh, I didn't think about that earlier. I'm kind of mad at myself for that. <laughs> so what possible purpose could be served through this Mars jumped project? Well, there's a quote here. A defense regime protecting the Earth from threats from space, according to both Bashago, Bagel, and Stillings. Uh-huh. And also because taking over territory on Mars. Was because America. America, like Chelsea already predicted earlier. Remember, if there's, where there's life, there's oil. So. <laughs> now there's this, this Laura Eisenhower character. It's actually oh, man. quite a large character in this Project Pe- Pegasus nonsense. She's a large supporting character. Yes, she's a supporting She's in the supporting cast going for that supporting um, actress. Oscar. And not only is she the granddaughter... Granddaughter of Dwight Eisenhower. Of the Eisenhower we know. He lived longer than I thought, honestly. He lived until 1960. I didn't know that. She is also a clairvoyant alien channel. And she's got this great quote about um, the need for Project Pegasus to be a thing. So this is what she said. In 2010, the Mayan calendar focuses mainly on the celestial body Venus, and it is known that Venus and Gaia are personified in a goddess known as Sophia, Wisdom, who has many other names. After being recruited to Mars, being identified as the identity of Sophia within this, and receiving multiple confirmations from other sources, including technologies, and after having hidden documents handed to me that related to it, I accepted this role fully because it was something I already understood and knew I was doing. I'm coming forward as a representative of our divine blueprint as Christ conscious beings in union with the wisdom goddess that exists within us. The lower alien races have been trying to separate us from this. What Um, the fuck does this mean? It doesn't have anything to do with time travel as far as I can tell. That was the most coherent thing that she said about this whole thing. That's why I put it in here because... It's still absurd, but it is the most coherent thing that she put on there. There's something. Like, uh, there's something in here about like confirmation bias. I think she really likes Sophia or wisdom, but she says Sophia like all the fucking time. And this came out in 2010 as her response to the whole Mars is got time jumpers and Obama. See, but like it starts with the Mayan calendar, but then it doesn't really say anything about the Mayan calendar. Well, so she said, so this does go along. I didn't put this in here. This does go along with her belief that in December 21st, I think, uh, correct me, Laura, if you listen to this, uh, but I think it was December 21st, 2012. She was really big about the Mayan calendar. She thought that the planets were going to align just right and that Nirvana was going to literally open up up physically on the planet spoiler 10 years later didn't happen didn't happen unfortunately would have been cool that would have been pretty cool her whole point with this after you read it a couple times and really just really just <laughs> lower your expectations uh, <laughs> i was trying to be nice um yeah but her whole point with this is that moving to mars is a very very good thing because it starts to connect us with other intelligent beings she includes with that though that like if you really want to connect with higher powers you got to be vegan 
because otherwise you weigh too much uh, and you can't connect to higher powers. That's a real thing that she says. What? You got to be at least vegetarian because you want to be light. She says that you want to be light so you can lift up higher like a helium balloon, I guess. I mean, uh, it could have been anti-Semitism, but we just went for fat phobia. I would like to say, though, if you tie a steak to a helium balloon, it's less likely to get off the ground than a piece of broccoli. So are you sure? Maybe she's right. Have you tried this? Like for science? I have it for science. For science. Maybe for I science? will. I'll write her name on the balloon just for her. Good. Just, good, 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 good. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was what she had to say about it. That is her corroboration with this whole story. There's more. I'll talk about it later. Cool. Just a little bit more. Cool. <laughs> uh, there's also an entire community of humanoids on Mars, by the way. Who are apparently short. Yeah, yeah, short. Or he claims that some of them are very big and that uh, NASA lies about how everything is sized in the photos. So are they the ones that make the statues that he constantly talks about? They do. They are, quote, the makers of the carved statues. Oh, oh, they're carved. Dramatic music. Yeah, Uh, they're all carved statues. I don't know how you make other statues. I guess. Lasers. Casting, I guess. That's a thing. Yeah. Teleportation. Uh, Just steal it from the future. Anyway, they live alongside a lot of plants and animals, uh, which is all being covered up, of course, by NASA. And they're presently up there with roughly 600,000 humans currently, which currently, as in whenever he was doing this, which I think was 2015, 16, something like that, sometime around his run for president. But... He says that that statistic comes from David Wilcox. I couldn't actually find that again. So hard to say. The CIA, he says, he says, however, uh, the CIA estimates that there are about a million humanoids uh, living mostly underground. That's his quote on Mars. So again, I'm very confused about why the CIA is doing this. Also, he doesn't There's even no mention the FBI. Anybody. Like, how dare you? How dare you not even mention Scolder and Molly? How, how dare you not even mention them? They weren't in the CIA. Anyway, he then moves on to uh, ufologist Bob Dean, who shared a photo in 2009 of a supposed Mars base. If you look at this photo, it reminds me a lot of the Arrested Development <laughs> bit. <laughs> if you've seen the show, you'll get the joke. If you haven't, then you won't. Um, but it could be that. Or it could be a photo of Mars. I thought it looked like some experimental Bauhaus print that was like, didn't age very well, but. Yeah. Well, this is what he claims is um, along with Bob Dean claims that this is a Mars base. Um, He says in his presentation as well, that he has worked in different things like uh, construction and stuff. And this does look exactly to him like a base that was built and then had concrete poured over it to cover it up. If they tried to cover this up, they did a bad job. I don't know what this is a picture of, though. I don't... This could be a picture of anything. Something pixelated and reformed and repixelated. This could just be from Earth. We have plenty of, like, giant symbols on this planet. Like, what are they? The Nazca lines? This looks like the Nazca lines. So Okay, it looks like a 1960s flower power barrette to me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it could just be that lane on the road. Yeah, yeah. I, that. I totally believe that. Anyway, we'll, we'll put it up in the newsletter so everyone can see it. But it's, it's one of those things. Let's go back to Earth. We are on Earth. Allegedly. <laughs> and you said it the wrong way. What you meant to say was, let's light this candle. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> let's, let's allegedly light this candle. <laughs> and that's what he said. 
when he ran for president. Surprisingly not on his website, which no. is www.andy2016.com. It's still Enjoy there. the block of text. Prepare to be underwhelmed. It's more like a small cube of text. Anyway, Andrew Bishago decided to run for president in 2016. Did it work well? No, but he's quoted as saying, I have prior knowledge that not only will I run for president, but that during one of those elections, which would have to be between 2016 and 2028, because I'm not running past that, I'm either elected president or vice president. His campaign site is literally nothing. Um, Should I just read this? Is that the entire paragraph? Um, Now that I've seen the site, it might be, but I don't think it's quite (laughs) the whole thing. Uh, um, his campaign site says for 70 years, the U S government has been concealing advanced technologies because they might be socially, economically, or technically disruptive in nature. These technologies include the teleportation technology developed by DARPA's project Pegasus. They may also include cancer cures. The government should begin a program to declassify and deploy this knowledge. The standard of technical disclosure should be what provides the people the best available technology This will enable the United States to reclaim its mantle as the world's catalyst of applied science for a president. That's a thesis. Yeah. Um, He did not become president. Yeah. Oh, my God. What? Don't worry. He got um, one counted vote in San Diego. Woo! News article about it. Was it his vote? Or did he he not even vote for himself? (laughs) I thought he lived in Vancouver, Washington. So he didn't even vote for himself? I don't know. There's just one news article from San Diego that was like, so one person voted for this dude. Yeah. Like that was the whole article. Um, I mean, technically he has one more election left before I guess he's not running anymore. Well, he says between 2016 and 2028. So technically he's got two. Yeah, I guess he could run in 2028. The presidential election, he could run for 2028. Yes. So So he's got two elections left. Yeah. We'll see. No, we won't. (laughs) <laughs> we will literally see nothing. Let's make those campaign buttons. Cause let's go. No, let's there go. There may be a cure for cancer in this. Yeah, that was a random little note. Like, okay. Because Sophia. Um, he did claim that he got insight on other future presidents. And he says that he never saw any proof that Hillary was ever president. Although he did maybe possibly hear that his father commented that Trump was a future U.S. president. So therefore, he knew about Trump. Why? Why did he run for president <laughs> at the same time as Trump? If you're like, if you're Maybe like, you that person's gonna win for sure. Yeah, don't I feel run like he race. just like kind of knows who's in the mix, and he's not sure how the mix is gonna come out. Like, you know that there's gonna be brown M and M's and yellow M and M's and green ones, but you're not sure which one's gonna come out first. I guess that's a comparison. I mean, the green ones are my favorites, so it's is that fine. Mars candy? No, I think they have Reese's Pieces. I mean, I do like Reese's PCs and they were popularized by E.T. So one more thing while we're talking about fundraising and campaigns. Mm -hmm. So the fundraising custom ink page, which was set up by his uh, vice presidential candidate. um, And that is still up for, I still can't say his name right now, Bagiazo slash Kinnison question mark 2016 and my favorite comment from a supporter was quote andrew baziago has the courage and gonadal integrity to speak the truth from one mark pettis who purchased one shirt and donated an additional 25 dollars good job gonadal integrity that is quite the word all right so i found this one guy's name mentioned in one article and i was like I'm going to look that up just to see where that goes. Um, what I was not expecting was an entire like third person in this corroboration story that 
Jesus. Um, his name is Alfred Weber. He is a lawyer, another lawyer, specializing in exopolitics. Or if you don't know what that is, uh, the political implications surrounding an extraterrestrial presence on Earth. Not only does he corroborate Bashago's story, um, but he's got his own part in this somehow. Weber's book is allegedly what helped Bashago know about some of the future presidents. So here's a quote from him. Andrew Bashago has revealed that the reason Project Pegasus was able to identify Jimmy Carter, who was then governor of George in 1971, as a U.S. president, is that the Project Pegasus was in possession of a copy of Exopolitics, Politics, Government, and a Law in the Universe by Alfred Lambermont Weber, which was published in 1999. Um, so he claims that this put him under time travel surveillance. <laughs> This is another thing where I just like put quotes in here because I could not like paraphrase them in any easy way. They're just the way he types it himself is just gold. So about this, he says, from the from the literature on U.S. government secret time travel and teleportation, it is known that in the early 1970s, DARPA could have identified and surveilled me by either chronovisor technology or via jump room or Stargate time travel technology. <laughs> just, it doesn't stop. Um, what I did find out is Bashago actually edited this book for him in the 90s. And that's the uh, exopolitics book that he claims that Project Pegasus had in the 70s, even though he wrote it in the 90s and Bashago edited it in the early 90s. And so this led to Weber creating some kind of hypothesis that this is what put him under time travel surveillance because Bashaga was already identified as a future whistleblower, future whistleblower in the 90s. And he, he was under time travel surveillance. But my question is, does any of that really matter? Because Bashago still whistle blew and allegedly Weber still just kind of exists in agreement with him. So there's a lot of like weird time paradox bullshit with this. If you really sit down and try and figure this out, which is why you should probably just try not to figure this out. What a thing to believe, though, that you think people are going to the future and that you're so special that they choose your book and they don't choose instead. I don't know. Jurassic Park. They don't choose <laughs> the Sandman series. They don't choose to watch Guillermo del Toro's beloved Pan's Labyrinth. All of their options. And they choose this man. This no, it's book. just like this weird, like jumping around the timeline where it doesn't actually make any sense. And he seems to be in this on his own mental break. But on this same page that I found all this stuff from him, I found his Mars Truth campaign. And this is where Laura Eisenhower comes back because he says, I am working with whistleblowers, Andrew Bishago, William Stillings, Laura Eisenhower, and a worldwide community of other truth and disclosure activists on the Mars Truth campaign. <laughs> yeah, Mars Truth campaign today. Mars what truth. is in your candy? Tell us. All right. There's four bullet points here. Number one. Truth campaign deconstruct the Mars cover-up and educate humanity and its institutions about the life on Mars. David Bowie already did that. Done. Check mark. All right. Number two, Mars relations are crucial as a test case for the normalizations of relations between our human society on Earth and off-planet cultures. Okay. I mean, that sounds cool. All right. Sure. Yeah. Number three, extraterrestrial disclosure act and life on Mars disclosure act to be introduced into U.S. Congress in January of 2012. I don't think that happened, but... Did we look? All right, I'm going to look it up. I, I don't know if they drafted anything because I did not look it up. But number four, the Mars Protection Treaty. Adoption by all UN member nations of the Mars Protection Cre Treaty 
normalizing relations between Earth and Mars and protecting the ecology and civilization of Mars from the effects of further visitation, exploration, habitation, and colonization by human beings from Earth. Again, these all seem like fairly innocent bullet points, honestly. Like, I mean, basically what they're saying is don't let Mars get fucked up by humans. Anyway, that's the Mars Truth Campaign. And a cursory search says, no, this was never introduced to Congress. But, Damn. Um, and it's David Bowie's advocating for him. Let's not. Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys, nope. like shocked into let's silence? Not ruin, let's not ruin David Bowie's good nope. name. <laughs> I was just really hoping that there was like some unfortunate CNN coverage of somebody introducing this to Congress. But um. <laughs> let's go back. <laughs> Speaking to of Mr. Bagel's book. Speaking of bookies, let's read a book. <laughs> so, so his book, quote unquote, documents multiple photos of humanoids showing the diversity of life on Mars through quoted typologies. Now, let's get, let's get into this. Uh, some of his typologies that he mentions in his book, which I would like to mention, is thirty-nine pages. Oh my God! What? It's Christ! I feel like when you do these conspiracy book things, it's like it's either five hundred and thirty pages or it's like fifteen. A fucking pamphlet. That yeah. is a pamphlet. It's not it even is. a novella. It's barely a fucking short story. To yeah. be fair, you'd be surprised at how many people in this world think that thirty-nine pages is a book, though. It happens all the time. It is an unfortunate part of my life. Anyway. Some of his typologies in his book are as follows. Uh, humanoids. Humanoids with spider legs. Humanoids with snake bodies. Humanoids as a statue. Humanoids as a dead astronaut. Possibly also a statue. Egg-headed humanoids. Etc. It goes on. And it goes on. And it goes on. For 39 whole pages with real <laughs> fucked up zoomed in photos. The worst part is that it's 39 pages with quite a few photos. So it's not even 39 pages. Like he didn't even get a solid 39. Like you couldn't turn that in for a master's thesis even. Dude, try a little bit. Um, a little. So he has a lot of photos in here and I've put some in our outline. You obviously you can't see you listening to this unless you can see sounds, but then you still can't see these photos. Uh, either way, these are his, all of these photos are his definitive quote unquote, definitive proof of life photos on Mars. He talks about this at length in his presentation. He shows these exact photos. They're just in a PowerPoint instead of a 39 page book. So he literally takes the book he makes it into a PowerPoint, and that's what the whole presentation is, I found out when I found the book. In it, he talks about all of these different photos, one of which shows an egg-headed uh, or egg-shaped type of humanoid or animal. If you look on our outline, uh, it's, the, it's the first photo that I have on here, but it's the second, it's the second one underneath the turquoise field. There's a white blob of a pixelated object on there. It could be an egg, could be some smuts on the camera. It's hard to say. It's it looks like a cotton say. ball. It it's looks like, like a cotton ball. Somebody fucked up a Q-tip and was like, oh, it looks like art. If, if we found a Q-tip on Mars, though, <laughs> that would be incredible. Incredible. Anyway, he zooms in on these photos a lot. So there are also animals that go along with this, not just humanoids with animal features, including this quoted octopus with the face of a lion or a dog. Could be either. Uh, this is one of the second category of animals, actually. We'll talk about the first one here in just a second. And this one is the type of animals that inhabit Earth's uh, biological history. So there are things that you see on Mars that you would see that are similar on Earth. A lot of times these are 
aquatic species, which is odd. It says cows in there. Because, well, this is an cows octopus, or aquatic? This is an octopus, though. Um, he says that this exact photo is definitely an octopus, either with the face of a lion or a dog. So it's some kind of like hybrid creature, which he claims hybridization has been going on on Mars for far too long. He thinks it's an atrocity and that it needs to stop. Uh, Linda Moulton Howe oh, no. looks like a normal person compared to this. Oh, That's the only time I'm going to say her name on this one. No. So this octopus with the face of a lion or a dog, this is this like blurry triangular looking thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the dark this blurry. One, right. for, for people that don't know, imagine Cthulhu's head in the middle of like a triangle shape. And you kind of get what we're looking at here, uh, oh. except for it's extremely blurry and pixelated. And like, it, it, you can't tell what it is. It looks like a rock. But I thought it was like a serpentine roadrunner situation. I was really you know, Maybe a serpentine. That's horrifying. That's terrifying. <laughs> serpentine roadrunner. Excuse me. That's Wiley Coyote. <laughs> run. That's horrifying. Anyway, let's go to the first category of animal, uh, as he talks about. This one consists of animals that presently live on Earth. So this one's a bit different. It has elephants, platypuses, platypusi, I don't know how you say it. Horses, Platypi? cows, frogs, turtles, snakes, slugs, and snails. That's all from his book. Uh, some of these look to be living organisms, while others seem merely <laughs> statues. Now let's talk about some fucking statues. Every time he mentions animals or humanoids, in his presentation, he always says, this looks to be blah, 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 or could be a statue. <laughs> so that's his version of saying allegedly. Yeah, so, he covers oh, himself. Allegedly or a statue. Yeah, no, he covers <laughs> okay. himself. Like it, so, so it's either humanoids playing with a ball, which is one of his photos, or it's statues of humanoids playing with a ball, which he then goes on to say, but I would like to know why they're making statues of this if that's the case. So, oh, you didn't put in the one of like the lizard eating a human. I didn't. One of them was a uh, he claims definitely he says not a statue, he says that it is a lizard tearing apart a humanoid. He says such a grisly, awful scene. He's sorry he had to show it to the crowd of <laughs> whatever five people were there. There was also a um press release about definitive proof of humanoid bodies filling up a canyon next to a place. Mm, yes a statue, uh, and this is all on mars yeah one of the statues is of a male one of them is of a female and it's to denote a great tragedy slash possible war uh but he said mostly genocide yeah i saw the picture it's just a bunch of rocks and dirt um, i'm pretty sure it just redirected me to nasa <laughs> yeah well it <laughs> like, does these are his definitive proof though of ne- he always says never before seen which let's let's talk about what never before seen mean doesn't mean you get these from nasa means you got these yourself which is originally what i thought he was talking about which is why i even pulled up the presentation so i was like does he have photos that he's claiming he got no no, no. they were never before seen in his powerpoint <laughs> i see i see well let's yeah. move on to happier topics Ness monster fans rejoice because Yay! the plesiosaur lives on mars or it could be a statue. all right or it could be a statue <laughs> it's an alleged statue he pulls this up and he's like this is a plesiosaur he has one photo that's on the right i didn't put it in our outline but he has one photo that's on the right side and he's like this one is definitely either a dead plesiosaur or a statue he says that and then he goes on and he's like but the one on the left is obviously alive and then he, he has a laser pointer the whole time because of course it is and he's going around to the laser pointer 
he's like, look, you can see the tail. And obviously it's looking to the left. And I'm looking at this thing like, first of all, a plesiosaur would be in the water. This is in dirt, sir. And I'm really confused by this fact. That is the one thing that I think out of everything else, he never explains. He never explains why all of these aquatic creatures are on the surface of Mars alive. Evolution and duh. I said good day, sir. <laughs> well, let's go. Speaking to, of evolution, let's present let's about this thing. my favorite creature that he presented, uh, <laughs> which he personally <laughs> named the Woofy. <laughs> oh, um, so the Woofy. <laughs> If you look at the right photo, it does have like fucking hairball that my cat coughed up. So for people who can't see this, it's like a black blob, but it does have like two eyes in the middle, maybe. Does it? And like a little nose. I guess. And then it's got like a giant opening for like a black just mouth. Um so this is in the uh rock garden, what he calls the rock garden. He named it the Woofy. Um because it is a the morphology of a sea sponge with the face of a dog which he then puts in a parentheses in his book uh canis lupus familiaris oh my god he made up a latin name for it you're joking he also then goes on to say it will be mistaken for a sagebrush or tumbleweed on earth if it were not for its puppy dog face He goes on to say in his PowerPoint, he doesn't say this in the book, but he goes on to say that he named it the Woofy because it has the puppy like face and he has a love for animals. And then he goes to the next slide. Like that's a normal thing to do. Anyway, this was my favorite part of his book. Um, I read the whole thing. It's not long. Uh, You want to read it? It was, by the way, his book was on an official educational college website. I would like to state that it was as available as a PDF for free. It looked very sketchy, but then when I looked up the site, it was real. So that's why I found it. Those are, those are some of his classifications. He has many, many more. Mm. Basically, if you take a photo of a rock, he'll classify it as an animal (laughs) for you. (laughs) So I have some questions about the care and feeding of Woofy. (laughs) So if Wolfie can be mistaken for a tumbleweed, does that mean you just need to let him like blow around in the wind for a while? Or <laughs> is this something where like leashes in some areas off leash in others? Like Well, so this one I mean it's the supposed to be fuck does Wolfie eat? It's in theory it's a sea sponge. So this one's dead, I guess, because it's not <laughs> in the water. So... <laughs> or it's a statue. It died happy though. It does look happy. Yes. <laughs> I would say it's allegedly happy. <laughs> or it's a statue remembering that race, the woofy race. Uh, again, Canis Lupus Familiaris for anyone who's taking notes. Um, yeah, that's those are some of his classifications. There are many, many more. I, If you would like to read his book, you're more than welcome to. Take rock to a whole new pamphlet. place. Yeah. It's about as difficult to read as a Magic Treehouse book. So if you're looking for some light reading, there you go. And yet the time travel in Magic Treehouse works a lot better. Makes way more sense. Way more sense. There are no woofies in it, though. So I'm yeah. not sure it brings the same joy. Doesn't, doesn't bring the same delight. Spark joy. Sparked a lot of joy. Anyway, let's apparently shut down our co-host Robert's dreams. 
officially ruin Robert's fandom. Here for it. Apparently, in case anybody was wondering, Bashago has debunked Star Trek for all of us. So, sorry, Robert. It's not real. Well, let's trek into darkness then. <laughs> He's quoted as saying, no, in fact, if you had just arrived via quantum teleportation, the Star Trek method of teleportation, you would have collapsed as a dead person. <laughs> Why? Collapse I don't know. <laughs> collapsed as a dead person or turned into a statue? <laughs> Maybe it's a statue. Um, that's all he had to say about Star Trek. I just thought it was funny since he felt the need to say that Star Trek is not real. Yeah, Star Trek, how dumb are you? You use an elevator, <laughs> idiots. Elevator doesn't even have music. Ugh. <laughs> oh my God. So, coming back to uh, Project Pegasus. Now that we've taken a nice road trip to Mars and back, elevator trip to Mars? Yes. Some of the past and future events that Project Pegasus allegedly gathered information on, um, and then, again, allegedly reported to the leaders of the time, Nixon's resignation and Watergate. So the internet was something that they were warned about, and cell phone usage, HIV and AIDS crisis, which, again, they could have planned a lot better for that one and then 9-11 which they again allegedly knew about 30 years prior to the attacks and uh yeah so this is where it gets kind of weird with a lot of allegedly's and an affidavit so our buddy the basiago bagel filed his 2012 affidavit um because Again, all allegedly heavy air quotes. Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld at the time of Project Pegasus was the defense attache attached to Project Pegasus. He allegedly had prior knowledge of the 9-11 attacks 30 years in advance and let it happen anyway. So um, if you're curious, the person who notarized this affidavit was one Sherry M. Rourke, who is a notary public in the state of Washington. And she notarized this affidavit on September 11, 2012. Fun facts all around. Well, let me take you all down a time travel rabbit wormhole. So Project Pegasus is not the only alleged time travel government experiment and also not the only one we've discussed on this podcast. Please see Philadelphia Experiment. Or Time Cube, because I'll never get that time time back. Actually, yeah. However... This was maybe the first one, and also maybe not the first one. It was also the precursor, maybe the middle cursor. They sacrificed the children first before they fused adult men with the, with the whole of a ship. Or maybe they didn't. I don't know. The timeline is fucked. So from what I can tell, at least from the years that these conspiracies say they happened, and not the claims of who was first. So the Philadelphia Experiment, which is also known as the Rainbow, or Project Rainbow, was in the 40s. And then Project Pegasus started in like, I don't know, like end of the 60s, right? And like 70s. And then the Montauk Project was like the 70s and the 80s. And I'm sure there's more, but I'm just going to stop at this little tidbit. So the Philadelphia Experiment, we've talked about that before. That one is where the USS Eldridge, a U.S. Navy ship, was claimed to have been rendered invisible and teleported between Philadelphia and Norfolk. Also one of my favorite episodes that we did because it is also the episode where Albert Einstein takes on a random mentee just because he sees them near the boat. <laughs> it's a great story. It's, it's truly like a, it's yeah. like a Disney classic. So we're, we're working with so. inanimate objects at this point, right? We've got a boat. We're going to make it invisible. We're also going to fill it with men and then they're going to teleport and it's not going to go well for any of them. It's hard to say whether or not that was successful, but I saw some things that said the Philadelphia experiment was successful. So like, whatever you want to say, bro. And then we've got 
Project Pegasus for like, let's teleport children to Mars. Great idea. And then Montauk Project, which uh, was conducted at Camp Hero and or Montauk Air Force Station in Montauk, New York. And they were developing psychological warfare techniques and also time travel (laughs) experiments. Cue story about the Montauk chair, a chair in which sounded kind of like the chronovisor, but maybe an updated version, but it's a chair. Um, Wormholes that were accidentally opened because of a permanent time link between like the 40s and the 80s. Psychic children and psychic children that grew up and started running the program. I think Andrew Bashago is also involved in this, but it's hard to tell whether that's fiction. He mentioned the Montauk chair as like one of the methods for inducing time travel. Okay, so yeah. So it was maybe a chair, but also a different project. Not totally sure. Yeah, so this was the whatever took place in Montauk, New York. Right. Um, there's also partial mention of some kind of inter- interdimensional monster that was opened up through the Montauk chair because of some kind of tear in time space. Um, if you can't tell already, this conspiracy is what was um, the inspiration for Stranger Things. <laughs> I guess Stranger Things was actually originally billed as Montauk. Anyway, survivors of the Montauk project also are known to wear solid metal pots on their heads to block the psychic thought insertions. These are obviously cliff notes. (laughs) However, I just wanted to point out that Project Pegasus is just one piece in a whole timeline that may or may not be connected in multiple ways. So it kind of makes sense that the timeline's off here. (laughs) Or what if it's all the same project? Maybe. Could all be the same thing. I'd say Project Rainbow is the name for all of it. I like that. I'm a fan of rainbows. Anyway, so if you'd like to... um support our buddy Baziago at all um there is a gofundme <laughs> for Baziago's eye surgery to correct damage allegedly resulting from using chronovision and my note says parentheses or whatever the fuck i don't care because i'm like bitch i was born with bad eyesight and i got that shit lasered figure it out but this is from chronovision i'm gonna say that's a end <laughs> to project pegasus but unfortunately <laughs> it isn't because it still keeps going today. Pegasus <laughs> is still around. People consistently share time travel stories on the Facebook page. So if you want to be a part of that okay. mess, uh, you can do that. There is not a dedicated Facebook page to the Woofy, however. So if you want to start one, I'll follow. I'll be there <laughs> immediately. Who needs Clifford the Big Red Dog when you have Mars and the Woofy? <laughs> I mean, Clifford clearly came through the time portal tear situation from the chair. <laughs> I have no idea Very what's well said. <laughs> This has been Project Pegasus. Tell us what you think. Let us know what you think. Let us know if you were one of 10 people that were a part of the Mars Time Space Jump project from to UCLA. Like or something. Yeah, I'd, let us know if that was you. I'm, I'd be fascinated to hear about it uh, from a distance. <laughs> um, Cam, what do you think is the truth? What do I think is the truth? I don't know anymore. At this point, I don't think I can handle the truth. And I should probably just leave it at that. I don't think Obama went to Mars. I don't think his mom was in the CIA. I think she was an anthropologist that spoke Russian. And I think that's ex- as far as that went. So beyond that, I wish Mr. Bashago the best. 
flight and healing to you, Mr. Fasiago Bagel. <laughs> May Sophia fill your mind with chrono vision energy. And no, he wants the chrono vision gone. Dreams of oh, yeah. hers. Okay. Uh, Chelsea, what do you think? <laughs> Fuck if I know. <laughs> My best theory is that um, our friend Fasiago went through some shit in childhood and that is now repressed. He's in a fucking psychosis and this is what we got out of it. This is his uh, coping mechanism. Also, I noticed like halfway through this that like the word chrononaut sounds weirdly like cronut. They're not the same thing, but one does take me on a magical journey. So that's... (laughs) (laughs) So... It's not in an elevator. That's the best thing. You can eat a cronut in an elevator. (laughs) You can, but you don't have to. You have to go to Mars on an elevator. Oh my God. What is wrong with you guys? (laughs) I am just as lost as the rest of you. And whatever Chelsea said at the beginning that I forgot about him having a really interesting mental break is the only truth here. The the one thing I did. This is just fucking crazy. The one thing I did put in the conclusions (laughs) is pareidolia pareidolia plus rich white man syndrome equals Project Pegasus. And I do kind of stand by that. What's pareidolia? That's where you see faces and objects. Oh yeah, yeah. His, at least if nothing else, his NASA image uh, issue is him just seeing faces in blurry, pixelated photos. And I don't care what you believe. I don't care if you believe in this or not. To stare at his PowerPoint and seriously be like, "Oh yeah, no, that's definitely an octopus with a lion's face on the <laughs> desert planet of Mars." I think you're you're fooling yourself a little bit there. You can still believe in Mars time space jumping, but that doesn't mean everything he says is. Definitely is 100% concrete. Like he's definitely a little out there on some things. So not the woofy. I stand by that. It's real. I don't care what NASA says. Let's add it to the cryptid list. (laughs) Or at least I believe in the woofy statue. So whichever one you want to go with. This has been Conspiracy. What? Yeah. Again, let us know what you think. Let us know where you've been. Let us know what you're doing. I'm just kidding. Don't let us know what's that. How's the future? Um, Yeah. How's the future? (laughs) How's the future? Time space jump back to the past. If you're listening to this as a chrononaut from the future, leave a comment. (laughs) I do think this this episode poses some questions that are important to think about when you think about time travel that no one else has. Like, would you consistently use your time jumping abilities to go to New Jersey? Uh, Would you go see Lincoln get shot in the head six times? (laughs) Would you go to Mars in an elevator? These are all important questions to ask and answer in 2022. So you, you think about those questions, you let us know. We've got a Facebook, we've got a Twitter, we've got all kinds of stuff. We've got a hundredth episode coming up, so that's going to happen. Uh, we got lots of stuff happening, so let us know You're your really great at listing these things. Anyway. We also have a, an Instagram that he didn't mention, and a Goodreads, and there's also a newsletter you can subscribe to to look at all these fucking ridiculous pictures that we told you about mm-hmm. that I'm sure you're just dying to look at because we've explained them so very well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we also have our virtual tip jar. Um, if you'd like to help us keep this podcast ad free, then you should donate to that. Yay, all the links are in the show notes below. Oh, there's one thing that we didn't put in here because Ali was supposed to research it and she didn't she liked it. I will bring us back real quick. I just want to say one thing before we leave. Major League Soccer stadiums are Stargates. And you oh, can't for prove fuck's otherwise. sake. They're just a bunch of assholes with bad haircuts. Oh my God. Well, <laughs> the Columbus Crew Stadium, their scoreboard set on fire and that was obviously because of an overloaded Stargate. So, you know, you decide. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'm Cameron. That's me. I'm Ali. That's her. 
I'm pretty sure I'm still Chelsea, but I have no sense of identity anymore. <laughs> that is Chelsea. And it's been washed fair, away. Honestly. That's very fair. Uh, remember to always stay stitious, but not so stitious that when you stare at pixelated photos, you see the woofy. <laughs> Don't. That's not what I want you to see. Like, Tell your woofy I said hi. <laughs> There's so much about that that does not sound right. <laughs> Tell and that's where we'll end the podcast. I would love to, now I want to take the photo of the woofy and I want to put on a shirt, tell your woofy I said hi. <laughs> <laughs>